Happy Tuesday, and welcome back to another exciting special episode of The Rocketeer Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we've been going through every single minute of probably uh, Disney's greatest adventure, the 1991 Joe Johnston-directed feature, The Rocketeer. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm Hal Bryan, an airplane nerd from the Experimental Aircraft Association here in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Now, Jim, when a lot of shows would say special episode, they usually mean we're tackling some big issue like you know, teen drug use or something. But when we say, oh, wait, I think I hear it. You're listening to a special Joe Johnston episode of the Rocketeer Minute. Once again, here are Hal Bryan, Jim O'Kane, and director Joe Johnston. Yeah, that's what it pretty much sounds like. I think it's a, it's another Joe Johnston episode, which is like saying, yeah, yeah, sure, another day. But uh, fortunately, uh, uh uh, director Joe Johnson has come back to uh, talk some more and give us some inside skinny on uh, one of our favorite. Well, it is our favorite movie. Let's, let's just let's just admit it right now. Uh, but Joe, thank you for coming back on the show. Thank you for having me. And really, if uh, if I had a, a top five list of favorite movies, I, Joe, you've worked on at least six of them. I don't know how that I don't know how the math works, <laughs> but uh, what a what a real privilege and pleasure it is to have you back. Thank you. Now, uh, just as we were wrapping up. Uh, uh, Yesterday's episode, after we finished recording, you were uh, you were teasing me a little bit, both of us really, but uh, about uh, you said you had a story about the GB and the Rocketeer. Yeah, the GB. Um, when we were had just started prep on the Rocketeer, we found a GB that was for sale down in Riverside. A, a friend of Bill Turner had had built this thing, and it was uh, it was a replica, obviously, but it was made. Uh, to pretty exacting uh, specifications of the actual GB, except that the the uh, aileron flutter had been uh, had been dealt with, and the thing was for sale at an airport in Riverside, and and it was even it was even painted the the, the right colors. It was it was black and yellow, and I went to Disney and I said, guys, this is this is the only uh, airworthy uh, example of this airplane in the world. You know, let's buy it, and it was the 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 seller only wanted twenty five thousand dollars for this plane. Wow. I said, "This is it's you know this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. It's it is officially for sale." So you know, of course, you know Disney being this <laughs> giant corporation, you know the 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 permission to buy this plane had to go had to cross you know several different people's desks before it was approved that we could buy this airplane. So I said, you know, somebody's going to swoop in and buy this. And it had only been for sale for two days. I said, somebody's going to buy this airplane. And then we're, what are we going to do? We're going to have to build a, a fake one that doesn't fly and all this stuff. So without telling them what I was going to do, I went and bought the plane myself. <laughs> so, you know, it was 25000 bucks, And I figured, I'll, I'll make my money off this thing. So, so then I... You know, six weeks later, when they finally approved this, the sale, I said, okay, I'll sell you the plane. I should have sold it to them for 50000 but, <laughs> you know, I didn't want to irritate anybody at the studio, so I, I, I got exactly what I paid for it. But for six weeks, I owned a GB. Wow. Um, and, you know, I sat in it a couple of times and <laughs> pretended to be flying it, but that's, that's as far as I wanted to go. That is that is amazing. I yeah. I think the story generally goes that whether well, sort of the production company bought it and things like this, but but yeah. you actually owned it personally. I owned it for about six weeks. Six weeks. Wow. wow. Yeah. 
now, one thing you can clear up for us, the uh, or hopefully you can clear up for us, the uh, uh, the second GB at the very end of the movie is uh, negotiating its way past the Bulldog Cafe. Yes. And uh, Hal had a question about whether or not that that wasn't a functioning GB, that, that it may have had uh, electric motors in the wheels or... It had uh, it had an electric motor to spin the prop. I don't think it had had motors in the wheels, but I think that um, we might have. You know, I I don't know how we motivated it. It might have been pushed or towed or something. It only it didn't have to travel very far. But it was built by um, this company that builds replicas for display purposes only. And you know, it didn't. It was obviously it wasn't a, a real aircraft. It would. Uh, yeah, it was. What it did was a was about everything it could do. Right. But it looked great. Oh, it was fantastic looking, yeah. and uh, and it sounded uh, good thanks to the <laughs> thanks to the post uh, sound sound designer. You know, absolutely. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just just stunning. So, um, Joe, you you mentioned having to sit in the GB, and of course, you know, owning it for a while, and and recognizing that uh, that sort of perfect time and place that great serendipity to be able to get a hold of that airplane. Do you, do you have any experience or background in aviation? Because you, you, you make movies like somebody who knows what they're talking about. Well, I, I used to fly uh, ultralights. Oh, um, no kidding. In the eighties. Yeah. Um, I had, had uh, an American aircraft Falcon, or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, a, uh, an Eagle, an which Eagle, is, yeah. uh, and then I sold that and I got a Falcon. And I had the Falcon for uh, about ten years, and I put, I put about, uh, I think about three thousand hours on it. Wow! And um, you know, when we shot Always, uh, the the miniature stuff for Always, we were out in a on an airfield in Tracy, California, and I took my Falcon out there, um, and you know, it was the we only had to get a couple of shots a day because it was all practical stuff. Uh, there weren't any. Uh, you know, see, there was no CG in that either. That was 1989, and uh, so I'd get out there in the morning, and I'd I'd fly around, you know, Central California for you know, an hour and a half before we had to get any work done. So uh, I really had a great time on that too. But yeah, I'm um, I've always loved uh, aviation. You know, I, I never uh, I never got my pilot's license. I just had the ultralight certificate. But um, I've had a lot of fun in the air. Wow. Well, it's uh, it's never too late, you know. And yeah, I know. Well, it goes goes without <laughs> saying. If you ever want to get uh, totally immersed in it and come on out to Oshkosh for our big fly-in, yeah, I'd love to. Open invitation, red carpet treatment. <laughs> I'll even let Jim come along if you want, Jim. <laughs> you can let him sit in sit in the uh, Spirit of St. Louis up there. That's, yeah, there you go. go. Ah. Oh, we can get you up on all kinds of cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Hal's got the keys there. That's right. Okay, I, I just got my first 20 minutes left seat in a B-17 about a week ago. So really? Wow. Pretty happy about that. Wow, that's great. Well, I, I am a member of the uh, Commemorative Air Force with oh, the, excellent. Uh, out here in Camarillo. So, uh, sure. You know, I had my, had my time in the in the Texas trainer and all that. But, uh, oh, nice. In the back seat, of course. <laughs> uh, did, did you do much flying during production? I mean, when, you, when they were... You know, doing the camera during the camera. Did you fly with any of the camera planes at all, or? Um, no, I, I I really didn't. Um, you know, there was there was so much other stuff to do that um, that I didn't really get up in the air. I think I went up in uh, in the helicopter once when we were shooting the uh, that opening sequence uh, with the GB 
where it's out, you know, at, w before he uh, comes into contact with uh, Lenny and the machine gun and all that stuff. But um, just that one time, you know, it was, I, 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 I had other duties <laughs> on the picture. Yeah, yeah, quite, quite a number of plates on sticks going on at the same time, I would imagine. The, the one that probably took the most work from you from, a, from just an interior production, I, I would think would be the... Uh, uh, the South Seas Club, the, that that must have yeah. been quite a quite a bit of work. It was great, and again, you know, I have to give most of the credit there to Jim Bissell, um, who, again, sort of using using uh, Dave Stevens' images as a as a jumping off point. You know, he designed the club, and and he sort of designed it around the action that had to take place in the club itself. But um, you know, I thought I think he did a fantastic job. What, was casting a difficult work? I mean, it, you when you found Billy, he obviously was the right the right one for the for the job. But it seemed like you went through a couple of different Jannies, and and I'm not sure if of the other characters that you're working on with, uh, you know, with like trying to find the the, the right Neville or uh, was that was that a big difficult part? You know, I I don't remember the casting as being uh, as being a difficult process. Um, you know, it was. Uh, I, th I, th I think we we ended up with such a great cast. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't change anyone in the cast. You know. I mean. I, I didn't. I didn't have a uh, a list of of favorites that uh, you know. I wanted. I mean, other than who we ended up with, and, and especially Billy Campbell. He was just. He was almost like he stepped out of the pages of Dave Stevens' uh, novel. You know, graphic novel. I mean, he was just. He was just perfect in so many ways. Billy had told us the story that Johnny Depp was originally chosen, but then he decided to step out. And I, I, how how far into that were you, or how realistic was that of having Johnny Depp as the Rocketeer? Uh, you know, I think we, I, I don't know how serious it was. I think that we were sort of exploring the possibility, but um, we, we went and met with Johnny Depp while he was shooting Edward Scissorhands. And it was one of the, I mean, he, and he was in costume. We we went over there for lunch. <laughs> oh my gosh! At uh, where would where would that have been shooting? It was at Fox. Um, um, and it, I'm not sure where we went. But we went to a uh, we went to a studio for lunch, and you know they they had been shooting the film. Uh, Johnny Depp came out in his outfit without. He didn't have the scissor hands on, but he had everything else, and he did he couldn't eat lunch because. You know he would he would mess up his makeup I guess but um, but it, it was uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg and me and I think David Hoberman and Johnny Depp and before we sat down for lunch uh, Jeffrey said well if you like him you know ask to for the salt or something ask ask me to pass the salt and what it's like it's like it's like uh, you know so your left ear and you know. it was like a scene out of some spy movie or something I said okay. So, um, and I did like Johnny Depp. I thought he was, I mean, I, how could you tell? He's got this Edward Scissorhands makeup and this crazy hair. He didn't look anything like the Rocketeer, but, but I did like him. And so I was going to ask Jeffrey to pass the salt, and I looked up and the salt was sitting right in front of me, <laughs> like six inches away. So I'm thinking, how do I do this? You know, I, I could hand him the salt like he asked for it, but... Uh, so anyway, he, we you know we just talked after lunch and uh, it, we had a laugh about it. But uh, I think you know I think Johnny Depp decided it wasn't something that he wanted to do next, and and uh, 
you know, that was okay. It was, um, you know, we ended up with, uh, I think, a, the, a perfect Rocketeer. Yeah, but you would have had the most amazing behind-the-scenes <laughs> documentary if anybody had been <laughs> following you with a I camera know. for that. Oh, God, it was just ridiculous. Uh, the, what, an, another thing that's, that's always puzzled us is I, I understand Dis, you know Disney didn't see uh, the Rocketeer as a success they didn't you know they broke even but not not much mm-hmm. beyond mm-hmm. Um, but they they seem to have kind of forgotten about it for decades and you know, even to the point whenever when any time like like a re-release from uh, you know when the first DVD came out or when the blu-ray came out there are no special features on it nobody you know they don't even bother with um, I've forgotten the name of the TV special but they don't even bother putting that on to the onto it and it just seems to have it, it's kind of like an orphan um and they they seem to be coming back to it now but every time we talk to people like you know disney imagineers the rocketeer is one of their favorite disney movies of all time mm. and i i've just never been able to understand that disconnect well i think it was all about money you know um which is fair i mean it's you know it's the it's the motion picture industry you know yeah but uh you know i i i, I never blame marketing you know if a picture doesn't work um because i think an audience if a movie is great an audience will find it and i think an audience did find the rocketeer it just took (laughs) took a couple of decades yeah but um there was there was a question about the um the one sheet for the rocketeer which was really the only uh image that you remember and it was that that fantastic sort of art deco oh yeah shot of the of, of the rocketeer you know flying at this, you know, 45 degree angle, beautifully done. Uh, but some people questioned whether it gave the perception that, that this was an animated film and yeah. one that, you know, for people who didn't want to go see an animated film, I don't know. It, it, it would, it'd be hard to understand how someone could, uh, you know, could see the, uh, what, uh, marketing there was out there for the Rocketeer and think it's it's animated, but I you know who knows, but um, you know it's uh, there's still talk of a sequel you know I keep hearing or a reboot. Yeah, there um, there, there was something about that yesterday that just kind of right, popped up. Yeah. There, there's yet another one, and yeah. you know, I'm, I'm one of the other one of the other thing, you know people go around what 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 wrong with the uh, with the Rocketeer they go over well the first words on the screen say Walt Disney Pictures and the the availability of of using Touchstone instead might have you know might have helped it because mm-hmm. it was considered Walt Disney kids movie which it is a kids movie to me but it's also for adults as well. Yeah. Um, but you, I mean, you had the experience with uh, Touchstone on in the front of a Hidalgo, and I don't know if that helped or hindered yeah. it either. I don't so. know. It's 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 really hard to say. I mean, a, a lot of it is, uh, I think, is sort of you know what the audience is in the mood for when a picture comes out. You know, I think that that hurt Hidalgo a little bit. You know, it was it was you know about a this race that takes place in the Middle East, and there was a lot of you know, controversy and a lot of stuff going on regarding the Middle East at that time. And did, is it just something that people didn't want to see, you know? But who knows? It's yeah. Like by, never... by the way, st- stunning movie. I don't know if, I'm sure a lot of people have told me that, but I, I'm always amazed at the, the, the horse scenes and um, just the, the epic nature of it was fantastic. I enjoyed it years ago. And I, I really need to watch it again because I just remember I had a great time watching that movie. Viggo Mortensen did all his own stunts. Wow. Uh, in fact, he did a couple of things that the stunt guys tried and failed at. And he, uh, like riding bareback at the end, at the end of the race, uh, 
Really? Yeah. You know, one of the stunt guys tried it and fell off. And uh, and Vigo, he he basically he he wanted to do all his own stunts too. He really insisted, but uh, he's an amazing horseman, really. Oh, is. And, and so many, I mean, most of that was uh, they were they were floor effects, right? They were practical effects. You, I mean, you had, you know, scenes with the the ships and stuff. I know it would be CG, but mm-hmm. the, but really the it's it's all live action Pretty happening much, in yeah. front of you. Just, Pretty much. Uh, uh, gorgeous work. Thank you. The, as you were saying, with the audience, it wasn't the time for for the Rocketeer. But do you think? I mean, that time kind of arrived, when, when, you know, coincided with uh, Captain America appearing because it's mm-hmm. you could say it's almost it's a similar movie or it, it's kind of a the Godfather of of uh, of Captain America. I think that there are similar similarities. Um, you know, I mean, as much in tone as anything else. I mean, I think that the the tone is very similar. It's a you know, uh, Captain America is a little darker uh, here and there, but um, I think that they 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 both feel like they're sort of out of the same factory. You know, which I guess would be my factory. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you you did manage, and this is not this is my not my thought, but uh, a good mutual friend of Hal and mine, uh, Brian Fees, that brought this up. That you did manage to bring back uh, the good hero, uh, the the hero that's in uh, in the Rocketeer and mm-hmm. Captain America, someone who has, you know, a moral rectitude that mm-hmm. hasn't been seen since like Christopher Reeve and Superman. It's just you have a good guy who's a, who's actually a good guy. He's not yeah. a you know anti-hero. Well, you know the. Um uh, when Marvel approached me to, to do Captain America, there there was a different script entirely, and I think that they they weren't they weren't happy with it either. And it it took place half in the '40s and half in present day. And I said, uh, you know, I think that what you guys need to do is tell the origin story of of Captain America and set the entire thing in the '40s in his time, except for the bookends. And um, and to Kevin Feige's credit, he agreed with me uh, that that was a good way to go. And uh, I think it, he had sort of been lobbying for that anyway. And uh, I think that's the only way to do it. You, you, you get one chance to tell the origin story. Um, and I think that it was, uh, it was a, a good move on everyone's part to, to set it in the, in the 40s. But... Uh, but I digress. This this is not the uh, the Captain America minute, is it? <laughs> no, oh, it could be for a yeah. while. That's, <laughs> I I absolutely adored right. that picture as well. Thank you you know, building again just a little bit on uh, you're talking about this concept of the good hero, and we talked a bit yesterday about your your affection for the '30s, and of course Captain America, more early, very early '40s in the beginning. There, um, one of the things that uh, uh, that I like about that era, and I'm curious if this appeals to you as well. Uh, is is the fact that uh, reflected in those great designs and that amazing music and the whole aesthetic across that era, there was uh, there was an underlying current of optimism, and you brought to life again Captain America. You brought to life the Stark Expo, the kind of the equivalent of the thirty nine World's Fair in New York, and uh, it, and that was to me that was almost the pinnacle of that kind of thinking. Is that we're looking mm-hmm. ahead to this you know the great big beautiful tomorrow and everything sort of gleaming and streamlined. Is that does that aspect of that era appeal to you? Well, it, it does in a way. It was, um, you know, it's also, uh, the way I look at it is this is uh, sort of an idealized America. This is what, this is what I, <laughs> I wish America was still like, you know, in, in, in many ways. Um, and I think that that's, as much as, it, as the period itself, it's, it's, it, it's sort of a, 
the spirit of Americana that um, that is that is of a bygone era, um, you know. But I think that it's in, in, especially in Captain America, we we brought it forward and and sort of mixed it with this this alternative future, um, you know. But it's all. But at the heart of it, I think it's it's about um, you know here's a country that uh, in a way no longer exists, and I you know I sort of have a very fond uh, memory of something that I never experienced. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and, and it, it, it carries through in you know another one of Hal and my favorite movies, October Sky, of seeing mm, this absolutely. even even in a you know a very grim. Uh, life uh, following uh, Homer Hickam's story, which is so literally uplifting, mm-hmm. um, it, it it and it has you know basically there, and there there are no there are no bad guys in the movie. Uh, it's just things you know problems to overcome mm-hmm. and uh, just just wonderful story arcs that I think that's why your movies are so popular and why they remain popular. People people come out of the woodwork when, when we've been putting out these uh these podcasts of, of how much they feel better about the films and, and seeing what's going on yeah um and mm. i just do you, do you think it's just it's just harder to make movies like that nowadays that they're just not i, I think it is I, I think that you know what i try to do um is is, is, give, is give people hope you know <laughs> and i i like i like movies that have a lot of heart in them um i think it's you know, it's not necessarily the cool thing to do these days, but I think that it's something that people, given the chance, they'll respond to uh, very much so. And I, I uh, you know, I think that that if you can if you can imbue a film with 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 heart and with uh, you know with with a, a message of hope, I think that uh, I think that it's I think that people will will recognize it and they'll they'll go and they'll see it and they'll tell their friends and you know like but again you know october sky it didn't cost much but it didn't make a lot either and i think that uh you know you just have to find that these films have to find their audience yeah i mean it seems it seems like i mean people that i know that have seen october sky it's it's one of those movies that you can recommend to anybody and say you know Mm -hmm skip this part but you can you'll like the movie it's like it's yeah. just a movie that anybody can recommend to anybody else and, and watch with any audience which is a, a rarity nowadays I, I, I don't know any uh male who over the age of 30 who can uh watch that film and not <laughs> be reduced to a puddle of tears at the end oh absolutely yeah. Yeah. <laughs> guilty as it's, charged it's, yeah it, it's it's just amazing. Uh, uh, a question about about the Rocketeer. Mm-hmm. If uh, if Disney walked up with a sack full of cash and said, "Would you please make the re- <laughs> the sequel?" Would you do it, or is it ground that you've already covered? Uh, I would do it if it's different enough. I, mean, I, I I don't ever want to try to do the same thing twice, which gets me in a lot of trouble with my agents. You know, <laughs> uh, I've turned down a few things that uh, I just didn't want to repeat myself. You know, because we. You, you 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 can only make so many films in uh you know a, a 50 year career or 40 year career whatever it is and um i don't i just don't want to do the same thing twice or any, anything that's perceived as hey that's just like that other thing you did you know yeah i mean i maybe you just make it as a a heartwarm family drama and uh and the rocketeer lost his jetpack and stayed home and chatted <laughs> right <laughs> right uh 
Um, well, this this has been a, a fascinating journey into this. We've we've got a lot more questions, so we will we will definitely please have you back if that's possible. Sure. Um, but uh, there are there are so many questions, and I'm sure that these these shows are going to generate more questions. And if we ever if we ever do October Sky Minute, please come back. Yeah, I will. I, I will no, I'd to love to, I'd love to talk about October Sky. That was a that was a really interesting experience for me. It, it just it looks very much a, a labor of love and. Uh, well, Hal, I'm, I'm, I keep I keep doing all the talking. Let me oh. let you gush for a bit more. I know. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness, um, gee, Mr. Johnston. Um. <laughs> Remember that time you made the rocket? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Remember that time you made every movie I've loved since I was uh, nine. That's scary. That was pretty cool. Oh wait, I wasn't going to do the math. Yeah, don't I'm, do the math. I, I'm only 19. I I swear. Uh-huh. I just I, I okay. sound I sound 50, uh-huh. but uh, I get that all the time. <laughs> anyway, I, maybe one one quick capper question as we sure. as we wrap up this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're talking about sort of a hypothetical Rocketeer sequel, but uh, we we talked quite a bit about Captain America. And uh, what's what sort of sense do you get? Uh, do you have any particular feeling or reaction seeing? You know, you didn't obviously didn't invent the character of Captain America, but you set the tone and you established who he was going to be in the whole mm-hmm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. And then to see that character go on and, and, you know, not in every single one, but sort of somewhere in, in the thread or in the background or in the forefront of, of, you know, another nearly 20 movies. Any particular feelings about seeing something that you shaped so clearly and so strongly go on and play such a big role in, in the hands of so many other artists? Well, you know, I it's... Obviously, that's not what I was thinking when we were making <laughs> we were making uh, Captain America. But uh, I just I wanted to create that character in the way that I saw him, and and in the way that that Chris Evans saw him as well. We totally agreed on on how the how the character should be presented. You know, here, here's someone who he doesn't change, even though physically he makes this this huge transformation. But who he is as a as a as a man, it doesn't change at all. And I think that, for me, that was the whole interesting aspect of this character. But, you know, Chris Evans' contract is done now, so right. <laughs> they're going to have to find a new Captain America, I guess, if they continue on. But, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, 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 I like seeing that the, uh, that the character continues on and, uh, and you know, inhabits these other, these other films, these other, these other worlds and everything. It's... Uh, you know, it's it's um, I don't know. It's it's like seeing an old friend on the screen. You know, in a in a whole different different guise. So yeah, it's uh, I like you know going to see those films and especially when I get invited to a free screening. <laughs> well, that's got to be nice. Well, it's sure gratifying to hear you say that you're not sitting back there chomping a cigar no, and say, I don't care. It was just a paycheck, no, whatever. No, well, the, the, it is a paycheck because uh, <laughs> they have to send me. Uh, residuals when they use uh clips from captain america so ah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. a little annuity never, never, yeah. never leave anything on the table that's right <laughs> right well well spe- speaking of which you uh, uh of other other um uh, op- opportunities to uh, to use use your talents uh you, are you you're still running joe uh, joe johnson's sketchbook is that correct I'm, well i'm not really you know i never did actually run it um okay I had someone who uh, who monitored it and uh, was the seller, basically. But she has moved on. She's doing something else now. So uh, I don't know if it's even still up uh, okay. on the Internet. But um, 
I would like to, uh, you know, have it sort of um, reinstated. And um, I'm actually working on a book uh, about my experiences. It's mostly, uh, it's largely the uh, the original trilogy, but I, I touch on oh, some wow. of these other these other films that I've made. Um, and so I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I can, I can get a little free advertising <laughs> when the book is done. Well, uh, if, if, if it, when it comes out, you, you're more than welcome to plug away on our, on our show. And okay, I know, great. I know Hal, Hal is very excited with the closure of the sketchbook because I know all of, all of his recent purchases will have uh, accrued in <laughs> uh-huh. value. I think. Well, just make sure you're, make sure you're not buying the counterfeit storyboards. I've, I've found there are a lot of them out there. That's what I've what I've heard. In fact, yeah. uh, I didn't. Uh, I had no plans of bringing this up, but uh, uh, since I, I think we're among friends now, um, I I had placed an order on the the sketchbook. I think shortly before it sort of, you know, changed hands and kind of mm-hmm. shut down a bit and moved mm-hmm. on. And uh, it was for one of the the pieces of the Bigelow Air Circus stationery, uh-huh. and there was an option to have it autographed. And so I, you know, humbly requested that it be signed, and. Um, about I don't know three or four days later, I just my money was refunded, mm. and it, it makes sense now that okay we're sort of shutting down operations. Yeah. And I get that, and and this is not a complaint, but I've got to I've got to confess that uh, I spent about two days thinking, what did I say? Why doesn't Joe Johnston like me? <laughs> no. Did I've loved his movies? You know, he found out about the podcast. No. It's over. <laughs> yes, no. he heard about our little podcast, and now he doesn't like me. What no. am I going to do? You know, I, I've I, I never really got involved with the uh, the day to day workings of the. Uh, of the of the site, and I would get uh, things in the mail to sign, oh, okay. uh, and then I'd send them back. But I, I, uh, you know, I, I can get in touch with uh, the person who was the seller uh, or the webmaster and and find out what's if anything is going on now. But um, yeah, I, I, that's. Well, I know, Hal. I know you did get a really nice piece, the uh, the one with the note on it, didn't you get? Uh... Am I am I wrong about that? You got the one that said, uh, or was that our friend Jamie? That I think. Oh, that that was probably uh, that was our friend Jamie over in the UK, who's uh, uh, a gifted uh, designer and builder. Who um, uh, confession time again, Joe? Uh, he, Jamie is the one who built me my rocket pack, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> so put me yeah. in whatever category that puts me in. But uh, uh, anyway, yeah, Jamie had gotten uh, had gotten some things. So anyway, but. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff out there, but uh, right. you know, I don't think anybody's bothering to counterfeit Rocketeer stuff. But um, <laughs> you know, I I, I get uh, requests from a couple of collector friends of mine. They send me pictures and of a, uh, mostly Star Wars storyboards, saying, "Is this real?" Oh, sure. And you know, about seventy five percent of the time, it is real. But there's I've seen a few not very convincing uh, counterfeits out there. So just buyer beware, you know. Right. Well, if you do get the, the sketchbook back up and running, that was a, that was a wonderful site. It was so much fun to browse and, and look through. And, and uh, I said so many fascinating artifacts for some absolutely milestone, uh, milestone pictures that have had such an impact on, on uh, all of our culture, certainly mine, over the last uh, few years, let's say. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. It's uh, good to hear that uh, I have at least two fans out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
And I, I, I would love to come back and and do another uh, podcast. I mean, what else am I going to do with this headset? You know? Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, hooray. <laughs> and that is yours to keep. I hope that was Thank clear. You. That's Thank uh, you. Th- that's the way we treat our guests yeah, here on the Rocketeer Minute. Is... Yeah, but you have to be a uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> front of the credits that's where we although yeah, yes exactly we, it's, if, 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 if we have somebody and we're still waiting on Jennifer Connolly but she hasn't written us back so we're, mm. we're getting getting down to the <laughs> but she also has never said no that's true that's so good. Alan Hopefully Arkin God bless him said uh, said thank you no through Billy yeah. but, uh, and uh, Melora, Melora Hardin is very thankful that she sang for you when she was a youngster and <laughs> that she got into uh, uh, that she got into the movie so we've had many many pleasant guests from the show that's great uh, and uh, we will we will have more in the future. But again, thank you for being on. Uh, and please, everybody, stay tuned because we will have uh, more shows in the future as, as we go far beyond the minutes of, uh, <laughs> of our original movie. Uh, but uh, again, uh, for those of you who haven't listened to our previous uh, spectacular episodes, please check us out on the big site RocketeerMinute.com. You can find us also on Google Play or on what is now known as Apple Podcasts, formerly iTunes. Check us out on uh, social media on Twitter at Rocketeer Minute or at the Rocket. Dear Minutes Bulldog Cafe on Facebook. Uh, we will return sometime in the near future, but until then, over and out.